made God laugh several times. I'm like, your plans, what about God's plans? And I wanna talk to you today about changing our world, facing the giants that we face. And I wanna start off with uh, an actual story that happened because God does want us to make a change, a difference in our world. The story reads like this, it was like, uh, it was like any other day, the workday was over and she was looking forward to spending time at home doing the things that she did each night. To look at her, you would not see anything other than another woman heading home after a long day of work. You would have not seen the frustration or the silent resolution to stand her ground against the injustice that she encountered to experience. And it happened that the doors, uh, the doors opened and another rider uh, got on and she was being asked to move not because of this new bus rider was physically handicapped or elderly, but because the color of their skin was white and hers was black. And in that moment, Rosa Parks made a decision to decide that she was no longer going to, to move, but to do something different, something that might change things. She was not going to move. She made no speeches on that bus. She did not scream or yell. She did not rail against the unjust Jim Crow laws of the South. She just did not move. Now many of you know this story and someday that it was an act that triggered the final showdown for segregation of this country. And it all began with one person who made the decision to do the right thing. And her actions changed the world in a moment and thousands and thousands of people have encountered. See, Rosa Parks was ordinary just like you and I. She was not being groomed by some political uh, program to, to make a difference. But what's more important is the statement that she made when she was being interviewed. And this is what Rosa Parks said. People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. But that isn't true. I was not tired physically, no more tired than I would have been at any working day. I was not old, although some of the people have an image of me being old. I was 42. No, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. That's powerful. You see, each time she gave in to segregation and hatred within this country, she contributed to it. And at one point she said, you know, I'm just tired of giving in. I'm tired of compromising on what I know is right. Because we shouldn't be judged by the color of our skin. We should, we should see each person as our brother and our sister. The body of Christ even segregates itself. And it's sad because I think heaven is not going to have multi-colors of heaven. We're all going to be together. We're all going to be serving Christ. And we're all going to be happy that we're there. But Rosa took on a giant of segregation. And I want to look at another giant that's mentioned, and also how we face giants ourselves. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 23 and 25, and it says, While he was talking to them, the Philistine champion, Goliath from Gath, came from the battle lines of the Philistines. And he repeated his words, and David heard them. In verse 24, And when all the men of Israel saw Goliath, they fled from him because they were terrified. The men of Israel said, did you see that man coming from the Philistine lines? He keeps coming to challenge Israel. The king will make the man who kills this Philistine very rich. 
he will give his daughter to that man to marry and elevate the social status of his family. Now what we have here, and many times you've heard probably thousands of sermons on David and Goliath, but we're going to approach this possibly from a way that you've never seen this story before. But what we have here is that the army is facing a giant, a physical giant that they can see, and it's caused fear in their lives. And in America today, we face giants. We face giants that cause fear in the hearts of people. Even in our schools, there are giants that our students have to face each day that can cause fear in their lives. Our workplace can have a giant. Our social media can have a giant. Our, 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 our churches can even have a giant. How are we looking and facing these giants? You see, the Bible says that Goliath was a champion. And it seems like when Satan is trying to attack us, he is sending champions into our lives. There are no little demons that, that just come in. For, for example, it just seems like when I have something go wrong on the car, it used to be, maybe those were the good old days, that for five or 10 bucks and a little bit of elbow grease, I could go out there and fix the car. But now cars have become so computer generated and I'm, at that point, computer illiterate. And so now, anytime anything goes wrong with the car, it could be hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. It seems like the, the giants that are coming seem to be big. But that's when I have to remind myself that the greater one is in me. And when I do face those giants, God has a solution. God has a way. God has a way for me to overcome that. If it does cost thousands of dollars, then I start believing that God is going to supernaturally bring that money into our lives because he said he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. 1 Samuel 17, 4, 11 says, The Philistines' army champion came out of their camp, and his name was Goliath and Gath, and he was, and he was 10 feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a bronze coat of armor, scales weighing 125 pounds. On his legs, he had bronze shin guards, and on his back, a bronze javelin. The shaft of his spear was like the beam used by weavers. The head of the spear was made of 15 pounds of iron. The man who carried his shield walked ahead of him, and Goliath stood and called to the Israelites, Why do you form a battle line? Am I not a Philistine, and aren't you Saul's servants? Choose a man and let him come down to fight me. Verse 9, And if he can fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I overpower him and kill him, then you will be our slaves, and you will serve us. The Philistine added, I challenge the Israel battle line today. Send out a man so that we can fight each other. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, what this Philistine said, they were gripped with fear. Now I gotta be, you know, I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> he was probably a pretty fearsome looking thing. You know, being gripped with fear, you're seeing something that's really huge. You're seeing it. It's physical. This isn't just supernatural. This is something that's coming into their world and challenging them. But not only was Goliath the champion, he was arrogant. Each day he came out and he taunted. In the mornings he would come out. He probably called them names. He probably cursed them. In the evenings he would come out. And see, when you're facing sin, sin is arrogant. And the more that sin feels empowered, the more arrogant it becomes. But I want you to know that your giant has something coming that it's not expecting. Amen?
okay? So you see, sin, things that used to, things that we would not even discuss 20 years ago are now on primetime TV. Sin is becoming more and more arrogant. Social media is becoming more arrogant. Our movies are becoming more arrogant. Trying to push things that, that are horrific, things that we should not even be contemplating. They're shoving it and shoving it and shoving it and pushing and pushing and pushing it. Arrogance. Goliath would come out in the morning. He would come out in the evening. He would try to get in their heads so that all day long they would just work on the fear that he was trying to push. But they were about to be liberated. You see, some of us might be facing a giant of, in our health. Some of us might be facing that giant in our finances. Some of us might be facing that giant in our family, trying to destroy it. Some of us are facing that, that giant that's coming out just against our lives. But we have a way, we have a source, we have a liberation. And I want to go over with you quickly three things that Goliath didn't count on. Okay? Three things that Goliath didn't count on. Number one, Goliath never expected a David. All right, just think about this, okay? When Goliath is planning to go out there, he's probably already looking at the battle line and looking for probably the largest or the biggest or the tallest, mightiest man, thinking, okay, that's probably going to be over here. I think I'm going to... But he wasn't expecting a puny young man. See, God anointed David to take on that battle. He anointed David to take on that giant. God has anointed you to take on your giant. You are anointed. Why don't you just say, I am anointed. Say it with me, please. I am anointed. Come on, let's say it again. I am anointed. Some of you just woke up. I am anointed, okay? See, the thing of it is, is you have to realize that God's power and God's anointing is in you to face the giants that you're going to be facing. You are going to face giants in your life. There are going to be giants of health. There's going to be giants of financial. There's going to be giants of fear. There's going to be giants of doubt. All of those things are going to come in our life. And when we do, and we see it, and it looks bigger than 10 feet tall. Your giant of financial pressure right now, or your giant of health, may seem huge, bigger than 10 feet tall. That's when you have to remind yourself, God, you've anointed me to face this giant. You've anointed me. You see, John, 1 John 4, 4 says, Dear children, you belong to God. So you don't, so you have won the victory over these people. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in this world. Some of us need to realize that a little bit. That the one that's in us is greater than the one that's in this world. You may be feeling pressure from every side of your life, but you still have the greater one residing in you. You still have the anointing of God. You may say, I don't feel anointed. You're still anointed. Right now, you may not feel like an American, but guess what? Legally, you're still an American, right? There's times we don't feel, now on the 4th of July, everybody feels like an American. Even Justin Bieber feels like an American. Everybody feels like an American at certain times, but we are Americans. So there's times when we don't feel anointed, we are anointed. We are still called of God. Oh, but you don't know what I've done this week. God still forgives. Oh, you don't know what it's been like. God still restores. Oh, you don't know what I've had to deal with. God still provides. You see, whether you feel anointed or not, you are still anointed. 
God's hand is still upon you, no matter what giant you're facing. The champion is taunted and tore up, and he's challenged you long enough. This mountain has to move. It's interesting you said that today in the announcements, because she doesn't read my notes. I always like for her to be surprised when I'm going to preach. And you said today, the mountains have to move. You see, we have to start speaking to our mountains. We have to start declaring the name of Jesus over those mountains. See, Mark 11:23 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, and it will be done for him. See, don't be afraid of what it looks like around you. Remember last week how we, we read in one of the passages when the, arm, the Syrian army was coming after the prophet and the servant? And the servant gets up early and walks out and sees their whole uh, hut being surrounded by the Syrian army. And he goes in and he wakes up as his master and Elijah says, Hey, um, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but there's like two of us and there's probably thousands out there. And what was the prophet's response to him? He said, there's more with us than with him. Now the servants have to say, you know, I was just outside. I saw hundreds, thousands of them. I'm seeing you and I, and you're old, okay? So it's really on me, and I don't think I could take on that. I mean, would we be doing that? I mean, come on, really? You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just two of you, and you're like, oh, we could take them. And you're like, this is we stuff, right? You, you may feel all Rambo, but I'm not feeling that. And then the prophet says, would you open his eyes? And he went out, and when he opened his eyes, he saw tens of thousands of chariots of fire all encamped around about them. Those chariots of fire were there even when he didn't see them. You see, they didn't show up just then. They were there before. He just didn't see it. And all he was looking at, all the servant was looking at was the physical army, the physical threat. He didn't see the spiritual provision that was there. We sometimes tend to look at the physical problem and not the spiritual solution. Remember, I've been preaching to you that we look at the natural, God looks at the supernatural. Maybe our prayer should be, Lord, would you open our eyes to the supernatural? Because then we wouldn't see the hurt and the bitterness of that person. We would see the demons that are working through that person. We wouldn't hate our manager so much because then we would see the forces that are forcing that person to be that way. You see, I think our eyes and our hearts would grow if we started seeing things through the supernatural as opposed to the natural. Even in Ezekiel 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, Son of man, don't be afraid of them or the things they say. Don't be afraid even though thorns and thistles are around you. I looked up what that meant, and it was referring to the bitterness of the people. Okay, you may be in a very bitter situation. You may feel like, man, everyone around you is just negative at this time. Or everyone in my workplace is just down. Or, man... I've never met so many sinners in one place in my life, okay? Now, I've felt that way before. I felt like, God, am I the only person who loves you? I mean, come on. Because then you hear about the, the, the problems of the church, and you hear about all this, and you're thinking, it's not that hard to love God. Why do we complicate the simple? Why do we complicate the simple? Love people. Love God. Do good. Serve Him with all your heart have no other gods before him oh but we need to get into all the theology and all this blah, blah. no love god love others serve him 
So it says, do not be afraid, even though you're going to be surrounded by thorns and thistles or negative, bitter people around you, uh, and you live among scorpions. Don't let the things they say frighten you. Don't let the things they say frighten you. You may have been listening more to the Goliath than you've been listening to God lately. See, God, Goliath was out there every morning, probably afternoon. He'd probably have tea and then go out and, and taunt them a little bit more. That was his daily activities. Wanting to pump you full of fear. Wanting to pump you full of doubt. He says, don't let the things they say frighten you. Don't be terrified in their presence, even though they are rebellious people. Verse 7, speak my words to them, whether they listen or not because they are rebellious. Wow. You may feel surrounded by the enemy right now. God wants you to know you're anointed. The second thing that Goliath didn't expect, Goliath didn't count on David putting the battle over to the Lord. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 says, And David told the Philistine, this guy growled at him. This little guy was speaking to this huge thing and saying, you know what, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of the armies of God, of Israel, in whom you've insulted, and it's about to go down. Seriously, if you're going to be that fired up and you're going to run at your giant, you're going to be fired up and you're going to be rolling up your sleeves as you're doing it. And not as well, you know, we just need to lead it with because I'll tell you what, you need God if you're going to run at that giant. How many times does the enemy send his best against us? How many times have we failed to rebuke that enemy in the name of Jesus? You see, the name of Jesus is one of the greatest defenses you'll have against that battle. You see, it's not the name of Billy Graham, and it's not the name of T.D. Jakes, and it's not the name of Joyce Myers or any other. It's the name of Jesus. And some of us have been pushing those prophets and people and everything else against it. In the name of Obamacare, I command you to leave. <laughs> Good luck with that one, okay? Yes. You need to start bringing the name of Jesus into these situations. You need to be quoting Jesus into your workplace. And when you're driving to work, if you know it's going to be difficult, start praying in the Spirit. Just start saying, Jesus, I invite you into this day. I invite you into my life. I thank you that every word I speak is going to glorify you. I thank you for giving me favor in the presence of these people. I thank you I'm going to have my best day ever. And no, that doesn't come from five-hour energy, okay? You've got to generate this and start declaring and speaking Jesus into your day. Because what happens is Satan knows that without Jesus, you're going to be defeated. But with Jesus, he's defeated. So Goliath did not count on David bringing in the name of Jesus, one of the most powerful weapons that we have. Satan is willing to take the chance that you are not hearing a message today that's encouraging you to bring the name of Jesus in. We have already won the victory through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We're going through situations. We have to show up. We have to take action. But we only take action in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ 
When you go into battle, start taking in the name of Jesus. And if you don't know what to say, just start saying Jesus. Just start saying Jesus. You will see spiritual things start changing when you just start declaring Jesus. The third, Goliath never figured that David already had held in his hand the weapon that would defeat him. Do you remember last week's message? Last week's message was, what do you have in your hand? For Moses, it was a stick. It was a stick representing 40 years of taking care of somebody else's sheep. For David, it's a slingshot. So what's in your hand? You see, we didn't select the best soldier or the best trained or the best armed soldier. We picked the one that said, you know what? I've dealt with bigger things than this. I can go take care of it. And he took what he had into that situation. Which means when you face your battles, you can't take my weapons into your battle. You have to take what you have. What's in your hand? What's in your spirit? What's coming out of your mouth? What words are you speaking? Are you speaking death out of your mouth? And then you're trying to say, well, yeah, uh, Kristen tells me to speak life. So life, you know what? You need to start speaking life out of your words. You need to start speak victory out of your mouth. You need to start declaring those things that you want to see changed in your life. If your children are not behaving the way you want, start speaking that over them. I'm speaking this over them in faith. You see, David started declaring things before he even got over to where Goliath was. We're going to go there right now. 1 Samuel 14, 17, verse 40. He said, he took his stick with him and he picked out five smooth stones from the riverbed. And he put them in his shepherd's bag. And with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Wow. Five stones and a sling. And you're running at a ten-foot giant. We've had in our hand the weapon to bring. We have in our hand the weapon to bring. We have in our hand the weapon to bring the meanest, vilest demon down. And that's the name of Jesus. That's the spirit of Christ that's dwelling in us. The power and the authority. And they overcame him with the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony they overcame by the blood of the lamb what was done on the cross and the word of their testimony you see ephesians 6 10 through 13 says finally receive your power from the lord and from his mighty strength and put on the armor that god supplies and in this way you can take a stand against the devil's strategies this is not a wrestling match against a human opponent. We are wrestling with rulers, authorities, and powers who govern this world of darkness and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. For this reason, take up the armor that God supplies, and then you will be able to stand during these evil days. And once you have overcome all obstacles, you will be able to stand your ground. You see, today, ladies and gentlemen, your Goliath is going down.
some of you might not be facing any health giants right now, or financial giants, or pressure giants, or fear giants. We have to start declaring that that giant is going down because the greater one resides inside of us. Just like Rosa Parks, Rosa Parks finally one day said, you know what, enough is enough. When are we going to get to that point when we in our life say, enough is enough, Satan. You've taken, you've stolen, you've destroyed, you've twisted the truth too much in my family, too much in my workplace, too much on this campus, too much in this world, too much in the church, too much in the state of great state of Texas. And enough is enough. And we start standing up for what we know is right instead of just allowing that segregation to continue on and on and on. Rosa Parks did not get on that bus that day saying, you know what, I'm gonna start a revolution and it's gonna start today. You may wake up tomorrow and not realize that you are going to start a revolution spiritually, but God can use you. God can use you. God can use you regardless of your age, regardless of your financial stature, regardless of your color of your skin. He's willing to use you. If you're willing to say enough, it's enough. I think some of us have gotten comfortable with the giants in our lives. I think some people have actually prepared a little guest house for them out there. And every once in a while we text them and how are you doing? Oh, wow, that's a scary text. I don't see we need to get rid of those giants in our lives. We need to face them through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is looking for people to stand up, to declare victory in the name of Jesus. And as I close, I'm gonna read this last passage. I want you to notice that David declared victory even before Goliath physically fell. Which means that as he's saying these words, Goliath is still standing. Verse 46 through 51. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. I gotta stop right there. Today, the Lord's gonna hand you over to me. I still feel sick. Today, the Lord's gonna handle you over to me. But the bills are still there. Today, the Lord is going to handle you over to me. But, but Pastor Mark, those, those mean people are still saying these things about me. Today, the Lord is going to hand you over to me. I haven't seen any change in that situation. Today, the Lord is going to hand you over to me. Do you follow what I'm saying here? Because what's saying is you're going to have to start declaring the things before you start seeing that Goliath fall down. It wasn't that Goliath was on his knees begging for mercy and it's like, oh, I have something I want to say. Yeah, today now. No, he was still looking up at that Goliath. And he said, today the Lord will hand you over to me. I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. And this day I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that Israel has a God. This is before social media too. Then everyone gathered here here will know that the Lord can save without can save without the sword or spear, because the Lord determines every battle's outcome. He will hand you all over to us. And when the Philistine moved closer in order to attack, you see what was happening is now. Let's take a look at this real quick. As he started declaring what God was about to do, that giant started coming at him. When you start declaring God's word, that giant's going to start moving. You're, it is go time at this point. You start speaking God's word, you better be rolling up your sleeves because it's coming at you. And David quickly ran towards the opposing battle line to attack the Philistine. 
Then David reached into his bag and took out a stone and hurled it from his sling and struck the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank into Goliath's forehead and he fell to the ground on his face. Verse 50, so using only a slingshot and a stone, David proved to be stronger than the Philistine. David struck down and killed the Philistine, even though David didn't have a sword in his hand. David ran and stood over the Philistine. And then he took Goliath's sword, pulled it out of his sheath, and made certain that the Philistine was dead by cutting off his head. And when the Philistines saw their hero had been killed, they fled. I'm going to tell you, when that arrogant giant of yours starts to see the word of God coming at it, it's going to flee. It's going to flee. You see, we as a church have been called to rise and shine this year. That means we're going to have to take on some battles. We're going to have to take on some giants, but we have to take it on with the word of God. We have to take it on knowing who we are and that God can use us if we allow ourselves to be used. We need to change our world. We need to declare God's promises. We need to live in dominion. What God has said is our rights and privileges and abilities. We need to walk in those rights and privileges. We need to walk in the power and the authority that we have. But maybe you're here today and you're saying, I understand the giants. I don't understand the power. I understand the problems, but I don't understand the solution. I know that I need Jesus, or I know that I've accepted Jesus, but I know that I have not lived. I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? You see, a lot of people accept Jesus Christ in their, their lives, and then they just go into seclusion. But there is a spiritual battle going on out in our world. Horrific things are happening at this very moment. Small children are being trafficked into countries to do horrific things. And maybe our only thought is, I wonder what we're having for lunch today. People are crying out in the streets. Addictive people are, are looking just for an escape. Hurting people are becoming more and more bitter as each day goes. Our schools have now become playgrounds for terrorists. Public events now have become a target. And the church is just content. We need to change this world. And the way that we change this world is we're going to have to take on some spiritual battles. We're going to have to spend time in prayer. We have to understand who Jesus Christ is and how we are that light into a very dark world. And as we learned on Thursday, we need to make sure that the presence of God is the number one thing that we're hungry and thirsting after than the things of this world. But I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. And as I lead you in this prayer, it may not be that salvation you need. During that time, would you just pray, God, would you give me the strength to face my battle? Would you give me the strength to face that giant? Thank you, Father, for healing me. Thank you, Father, for restoring what has been stolen from me. Thank you for giving me peace. Father, would you give me the joy? This should be our prayer. Would you pray with me? 
Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus is my Savior and I am saved. Amen. The clip that I showed you with Evan Almighty, the solution was, how do you change the world? One random act of kindness. The world is looking for the church to get involved in their lives. We as a church need to get involved in our community. We need to be touching lives. We need to be making an impact and changing the world. And those who are hurting, that are your co-workers, those who are lost, that are your fellow students, those neighbors that you know are just falling apart, need to be brought to church. They need to hear your story. They need to understand what Christ has done in your life. And then invite them to come and join you. And maybe at the end of the year, you'll see a whole row of people that are there because you invited them and you made a difference in their life. You allowed God to use you to change. That's my prayer. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if you please stand. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being a part of our lives. Thank you for being our family. We love you so dearly. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much.